Welcome and thanks for stopping by. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to our podcast on one of your favorite platforms, I'm glad you're here. At this time, I would like to thank our partners and sponsors for their dedication to helping the show to grow. We cannot do what we do without their help. This is Kevin James, and you have reached the Millennium Beat. Today, I have Clint with me. And Clint, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Clint, we don't know each other that much. We just kind of met each other. We've kind of talked a little bit pre-show. But tell me about yourself. Where did Clint come from? Sure. Uh, well, first off, my name is Clint Callahan. I've been a therapist and social worker and life coach for 23 years now. Cool. I'm 47 years old. I grew up in the Black Hills of South Dakota. Uh, when I was born, I weighed one pound, 15 ounces. At my lowest weight, I got down wow. to about one pound, nine ounces. And this was 47 years ago. So wow. they didn't know the things that they know now, that you can hold premature babies, that it's okay to you know care for them, hold them, cuddle them, all those things. So I spent about the first four months of my life in an incubator, basically- right. Only touch was when doctors came in and took my blood, put me, took me to surgery, did things to try to help keep me alive. I mm. found all this out because my mom wrote a journal about the time when I was there. Okay. And just all the stress that they went through, um, mm. you know, having a premature child. And the crazy right. thing is, is that I really shouldn't be here because the next night, my mom was supposed to fly to her family farm, which mm -hmm. is in the middle of nowhere and up in uh, northern South Dakota. Okay. So if that would have happened... I wouldn't be here. So I was always kind of told, oh, you know, you're a blessing, you're a gift from God, all these kind mm -hmm. of things. And so that started to inform a lot of my early life. But then when okay. I got into school, everything kind of changed. Okay. okay. When I got into mm -hmm. school, you know, when you're told that for so long, it kind of gives you a little bit of inflated sense of self and things. Right. And so I went into school expecting, well, everyone's going to like me, everyone's going to be my friend, everyone's going to think I'm special, all these things, right? School is not like that. It is it no. is dog eat dog. And that was elementary school, high school, junior high, all those things. And it was, I was yep. bullied a lot. And it was a lot mm -hmm. mostly because I was confident. I was outgoing in the beginning. And then as mm -hmm. bullying continued to happen, I retreated more into myself. I became, started getting anxious. I started having somatic symptoms of feeling sick and missing mm -hmm. a lot of school because I didn't want to be around the bullies. And the right. whole, my particular type of bullying that happened to me was it was it was individually my friends were my friends but as mm -hmm. a group they were the mob mentality piece and that right. was one of the hard things because i was trying to understand well, why is it when we're alone you're great and you're friendly and we get along and we have great conversations and we have lots of fun together but when we're in the group all of a sudden i'm the butt of all the jokes i'm the one mm -hmm. who's always in trouble not to say that 
everybody didn't, you know, get razzed on, but it was like, it mm-hmm. felt disproportionate to me. So maybe that's just my story or maybe that, that I told myself, or maybe it was actually, right. happened. I have no way of really knowing. Well, don't you think it's um, peer pressure? Because uh, if you're, if you're another child or another kid mm-hmm. and the other kids are harassing you, I mean, they want, they want to feel fit in, they want to fit in too. So they, even though they in person, they, they love you, they like you, they have fun yeah. with you. But when they're a group, they say, oh, I got to do what these guys are doing because they, w- they won't accept me now. Exactly. And they'll reject me. So they are part of the they group. They don't want to be the target. They don't want to exactly be the target. Right. So they, yeah. they and everybody's picking on you. So they jump in, even though they don't yeah. really want to do it. And they're too young mentally, physically to say, hey, this is not this is emotionally. Yeah. Make me back up a little bit on your story. And I, I, something popped in my head while you're saying about being a premature and you weren't touched. Mm-hmm. As a psychologist and stuff like that, mm-hmm. how important is it to hold your babies, to hug your babies? To, I mean, we're talking not even just as a yeah. baby, but when they grow up, yeah. to hug them, to, to you know, stuff like that. How it, important is that? It is, it is so important, and I didn't even actually realize how important it was until mm-hmm. about three years ago. Okay. So, about, so I... So I've my whole life I have not if I instigate the touch, if I instigate the hug, if I instigate those things, I'm okay. But mm-hmm. if other people do it, it always felt like fire ants crawling under my skin. Oh wow. Because mm. it was because my body remembered the first four months of my life being poked, prodded, surgery. So where okay. anytime anybody touched me, there was pain involved. Pain involved. Okay. Months. Mm. And so I went through a process called EMDR, which is a specific trauma trauma therapeutic process, which is okay. eye movement resensitization and reprocessing, desensitization okay. and reprocessing. And so I went through the training to learn to do that for people, but I also volunteered to be the guinea pig up front okay. to have it done to teach and educate the people how it worked. And as I was going through the process, because I was young, I couldn't remember that. But mm-hmm. when I'm but the about two weeks before the training, my youngest who is a hugging monster and who is wants constant affection because that's what God does, right? He sticks those things in your life, whether you want them or not. And so he was a hugging monster. He needs to be touched. He wants to hold me. He wants to hug, grab, squeeze, touch. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for me. And a couple weeks before that, it, he jumped up behind me when I was sitting on the couch and grabbed me and hugged me and said, he loved me. And I lost it. Total fight or flight mode, freaked Mm -hmm. out, you know, yelled at him, told him, get away, don't touch me, all these things. And the look on his face was just, oh, Oh, just broke my heart. And so my wife, who's also a therapist said, okay, you need to get that looked at. That is, Mm -hmm. that is not normal. You know, that's not normal. Go get that looked at. And so I used that as the entry point into that physical touch trauma stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what happened, so EMDR is a very specific process. And they went through the process with me where they helped me kind of go back and look at this stuff from like a third-party perspective. It's basically called clinical disassociation. And so it allows you to look at the stuff that's going on kind of from a third-party over-the-shoulder perspective, which then allows you to start to break the links in that chain of the trauma. And as I was going through that and processing through that, the last thing before we ended the session and I felt like I was doing better was popped into my head completely unbidden, not even had it even in my brain at all was the doctors weren't trying to hurt me. They mm-hmm. were trying to save my life. And so it's right. been about two and a half years now since I've had that. And 
It okay. doesn't affect me anymore. People can oh. hug me and come up and touch me and do all that mm-hmm. stuff. And of course, there's still danger because that's oh, yeah. part of yeah. being a human being. But right. when it's now, it's not like fire ants under my skin. So it's oh, amazing cool. what happens if you give yourself permission to go through and process and break through the story, the trauma, the things that go on. And that's one of the reasons why I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to continue to do therapy. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to become a life coach because I wanted to share more of this kind of information with Ooh. other people because things. it's so necessary to recognize that it doesn't take a lot to make big changes in your life. It takes right. just these little things because really the process that I did to get out of that feeling state literally took two hours a day for three days. So in six hours over three days, this lifelong thing that I didn't even really recognize I had Mm -hmm. is now gone. And it's made my life immensely better. Oh, that's cool. Two things I was thinking of. One is animals. Animals, just like people, they love to be patted and caressed Mm -hmm. and held. They they crave that just as much as humans do. Uh, I remember years ago, I used to play a game and it had animals. And if you pet the animal, hearts would fly up from the animal. There was love flying, you know? And I thought about that. It's pretty cool. Also, uh, I, a little bit about myself is, is dealing with how you were saying when you were hugged, you kind of freaked out a little bit. Yeah. I don't mind hugs. Actually, to be honest with you, I like hugs, but I don't, I don't, um, go after them. It's like, if I see somebody, if I meet somebody, even people I know personally, I've known for years, I mean, Guys or girls, I don't go up yeah. there and give them a hug. I don't have a problem with them giving me a hug. I have no problem with that. I just yeah. don't. What, what I don't like is if you go to a church and in a church environment, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's grandma who you don't know or somebody like that comes up to you and runs up and goes, "Oh yeah, I'm so glad to see you and hug you." I yeah. kind of like, "Whoa, we'll back up." Yeah, you know, yeah, personal, yeah, space. Hold on a oh, personal space, right? Yeah. But in generally, I I love hugs and I, I yeah. just don't implement them i just don't i just don't go after if you give i i remember one time i had a girl work for me and uh, she gave me a hug and i go wow that's the first time you've been working for me for years that's the first time you gave me a hug she goes no i i said no i would remember you know but it, it, it you know but that's people and how they react to things and you reacted one particular way because of the experience when you were younger so yeah. and it's good that you're helping people because again people you didn't realize it, you know, what, what, what the trauma was, you know? So if you can help people realize it and help overcome it now, like yourself, your, you know, your child now is, is better off now because you've learned how to deal with what went on in your life. So, yeah, well, that's pretty and, and cool. That really, and that is what it comes back to is really, it comes down to in the 23 years I've provided therapy, life coaching, and these kind mm-hmm. of things, I've been psychologically minded my entire life. Okay. But really what it is, is that this is a different level where it's recognizing that, oh, physical things, our body is what people don't really remember and think about when it comes to the human body is every Mm -hmm. human being on the planet, biologically speaking, we are still in a low level fight or flight mode. Because if you really think about it, human beings about the last major evolutionary shift that's happened for human beings from anthropological data and all these kind of things was about 185,000 years ago. Okay. But for 180,000 years, that was pure, unadulterated survival. All right. Where generation after generation after generation was, am I going to be eaten by a tiger today? Am I going to be attacked by a wild animal today? Am I going to eat the wrong thing and die today? 
pure and unadulterated survival. And because of that, every human being is in a low-level fight-or-flight response mode, which is fear. Right. So all of us, that's why I've talked with other people, and I, when I tell them, I'm like, but I don't, I don't, But what are you saying? Everything comes from fear? I'm like, everything doesn't come from fear, but fear is the seed in all the different feelings we have. Because right. it goes like, it's like this, right? You, so you wake up late for a meeting one day because your alarm clock didn't go off because the power went out, right? Mm-hmm. So you jump out of bed, you get into the car, you get ready, you drive as fast as you can, you hit every red light because that's how life works. Right. You show up late for the meeting, and all the while your brain is thinking, my boss is going to fire me. I'm going to lose my place. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose all these things. I'm going to end up dead. Because right. that's what the biological survival mechanism is, is mm-hmm. just don't end up dead. Right. But that's the story that we begin to tell ourselves when mm-hmm. crisis and anxiety happens. And in okay. the recognition of that, you're able to do a really simple process to turn off the sympathetic nervous system so mm-hmm. that you don't get tons of adrenaline, tons of cortisol, all these fight or flight hormones that dump into your body when you're mm-hmm. telling yourself that story. Because your brain doesn't know the difference between a real attack in the physical mm-hmm. world and what's that, happening inside of your right. own head. Right. And that's, that's the issue. So mm-hmm. when you can recognize that it's only up here, you can slow down, you can change your breathing. And the best technique that I've taught I've taught a lot of military, ex-military. I've taught, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD. Anyone with these kind of major traumas or even minor traumas mm-hmm. is called box breathing. And okay. what box breathing is, is it's you breathe in and hold for four. You breathe out for four seconds and hold empty for four. You breathe in for four seconds and then you hold for four. And you do that four times, right? Okay. It's a box. Oh. And by doing that... That's- it tells your brain, oh, if you're breathing like that, obviously you're not being attacked by anything. Because if you're being chased by a tiger or a lion or anything like that, you're going to be like, oh, I need to change my breathing. I need to make sure everything's okay. Right. But when you do that in the moment, because most of the time we're doing this when we're sitting at a desk, when we're sitting in traffic, when we are around other people, like in social situations and all these mm-hmm. things, because the story that we tell ourselves is the thing that creates our perception, which creates our reality. And mm-hmm. that goes back to a lot of me, right? Mm-hmm. In my story, because my story was, well, I'm a gift from God because I shouldn't be alive and I shouldn't be normal, whatever right. that means, right? Mm-hmm. I should be disabled. I should have brain damage. I should not be able to see. I should not be able to hear. I should not be able to walk because of how early I was born. So I am really lucky, and I know that. Hmm. But it always comes back to then that story translated to anxiety, depression, you know, people-pleasing, imposter syndrome, all of these things, because then the real world, the outside world out of my home was, you're nothing, you're nothing special. Mm -hmm. And so I started to internalize that story, even though it's true, but it's not true, right? Hmm. Just like coming on this podcast. My thought that I often have when I, I've done a couple podcasts because I've been talking about this stuff and pitching this stuff and talking right. about my program. But every time before I go on, I'm like, who's going to listen to me? Why mm-hmm. is my story special? What have I, I mean, what have I really done that's that special? I've, I've lived my life. That's all mm-hmm. that I've done, right? Mm-hmm. To me, that's what it is. But I often forget that the reason why I share my story about the suicide of my mother, about the issues that I had growing up, 
about all these different things that have happened in my life is because if someone gets some kind of information out of it that makes them feel less alone, Mm -hmm. that's the point. Because that is what we are starved for today is real, authentic connections. Mm -hmm. Because this is great. I'm so grateful that we can do this kind of thing. But it is nothing compared to sitting in front of another human being and seeing the full everything when it comes to what's going on with them. Well, that's uh, like, it's funny how you say that. I mean, I do, as I said, three different types. I do, I mean, I do phone interviews. I do this kind of interviews, which is using uh, um, a wire, Riverside or Ecamm. And and then I do a, a audio version, which is an in-person. If I do like a radio style, I do that. And, and, and they, I like it, but the best stories that I can tell and I love is sitting around a dinner table listening to a couple talk about how they met and fell in love, yes. my love stories. And they're, I mean, they can be an hour and a half, two hours long because they're, yep. because it's the guy and then the girl and they met and they fell in love and they lived and, you know, and the good, the bad, the ugly type of stories. Yep. And I, I did a, a podcast with somebody once and they found out that somebody else I did a podcast with was when they were younger, was kind of messing around with this guy's wife. I mean, they weren't even married at the time. I mean, there was no affair or anything like that, yep. but it was like, yep. they were teenagers. And they were, yeah. you know, making out in the back of the football field, you know, <laughs> and, and it's funny because they go, oh, yeah, I did an interview with him. And they called him up on the phone. And they go, hey, I heard you were, you know, but my yeah. point is, 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 is um, yes, personal. I love sitting at a table and talking to, but, but unfortunately you're in, you're in Colorado. I mean, I eventually will sit in front of you and we'll have a conversation <laughs> and, and we'll tell this story. Uh, but again, I can't be everywhere a, a guy wanted to do an interview was in quebec he goes he wants to do an in-person interview i go that sounds great but i don't plan on being in quebec for quite a long time so yeah. i mean I've, I've done interviews in washington state um i got one coming up eventually in israel you know i mean that's the nice thing about computers you know yes the perfect yeah. thing is face to face but yeah. i would rather have this than not have anything and that, and that's exactly what I believe as well, because if it wasn't for this kind of stuff, the pandemic would have ruined me. Because right. if it wasn't for them rushing and pushing through the bills that allow me to do virtual therapy now, mm-hmm. I do probably for 35% of my business virtually. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fantastic because something is better than nothing, just like you said. And especially when it comes to these kind of things, because if it wasn't for that, that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I decided to go and start doing small changes, big impact as a virtual group program, Okay, because it allows me to then connect to more people in more places and give them something rather mm-hmm. than the nothing that they've had or that they felt they've had for so okay. long. So I'm, I'm not saying that this is not good. I'm saying that right. this is it's better than the nothing. is in person, of course. Correct. Yeah. But this is nothing. amazing as well, because otherwise, how would have you and I met? Right. Right. We wouldn't have. Uh, yeah. I, you might have heard of this company. You might not have. You ever heard of Better Health? Yes, I've heard of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. The only reason why, I, um, if you ever watch the TV show Smallville with mm-hmm. Michael Rosenbaum as Lex yeah. Luthor and Tom Wellington, Welling is um, as podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Well, so Michael's podcast or the second podcast because he has two. He has uh, Inside of You. His he has podcast. Inside of You, and he interviews a lot of people. He's yeah. really good, and then he does a uh, Smallville talk that yep. Tom Rockville. and yeah, Talkville, yes. I yeah. watch it all the time. I don't watch a lot of people's or, yeah. or listen to a lot of podcasts, but I do watch that every – actually, today is Wednesday, so it, then I watched – I, I watched all 10 seasons of Smallville. Yeah. 
And now I'm back watching it. I, I, like every week, I watch a new episode. With them, kind of like you're yeah. watching it with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even though they're they're kind of ahead of us, like they said, call us and leave a message. But they're like five or six shows ahead, and I I, I want to watch it. Like last night, I watched uh, season three, episode two. Today they'll talk about season three, episode two, which they might have done a week ago or two weeks ago. But but my point well, is, is they they talk about that. Man. Yeah, I love I that show. I, I yeah. grew up watching that show. Well, that I, I think a lot of land. Is, I thought it was fantastic. I think a lot well, of forty-seven. So grew up. Uh, I mean, by, by grew up, yeah. I mean I was like in my early thirties when it came mm. on for the first time. So, oh yeah, just not really. <laughs> well, I, I always have a show if I like if the female actress is cute or something like that, and and yeah, Lana Lane with uh, Kristen. I can't even pronounce Kristen her last Kirk. name. Kirk yep. was gorgeous then, and if you look at her now, she looks almost the same. She's yeah, she is. Thir- well, let me see. It was, what, 20 years later. So mm-hmm. she's probably in her um, late, let me see. She was probably in her early 20s back then. So 20 mm-hmm. plus, you know, um, in her 20s, early 40s, 40. Yeah. yeah, early yeah. 40s. But she looks just the same. I mean, yeah. she, she's she's gorgeous. And I mean, unfortunately, Alice and Mac got a little um, mixed up with some stuff. And she was okay. cute we, in her own way. We can have a conversation about that. That's a whole yeah. podcast in itself. Oh, yeah. They've done a whole podcast. And oh, they have. And I that. guess she just was released from prison. That's, yeah, what I I heard, that's, yeah. that's what I heard, too. So, I mean, and Lex Luthor was good. I mean, I, if you watch the new Superman, um, yeah. uh, the new Lex Luthor, he's different. He's a little bit more... You know, yes. like he's almost reminds me of that character that was on that Superman, like Bruno Mars. You know, he's a bigger yes, guy. Yes, yes. He had hair until he shaved it off. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we it's like, you know, different, different universe, different backstory. But, you know, yeah. but he's different. We've had how many different Lex Luthor, how many different Supermans we've had. And, yeah, uh, we've had five, I know that, five or six different Lex Luthers. And I think we've had nine yeah. different Supermen. I'm all about that stuff. <laughs> and then even this, even this Superman, he was on the same universe as uh, yep. Supergirl. And that yep. was they, they were. That's how we got started. But they yep. completely washed that away. He's now yes, on another they universe. They, they don't even talk yep. about his cousin or they. And I guess unfortunately, WB or not WB. Um, what is it? Uh, is it WB? It's, no, it's WB, it was CW. UB, CW. That, right, we, I, is now, yeah. I know. I know. It keeps changing. They actually yeah. got rid of all their hour shows. Like so, I, I yeah. think there's no, one more season of, of Low uh, Superman and Lois. Yeah. Uh, the end. I think it's end of season four, and yeah, they're not even going to do. Gonna be the end. They're yeah, like ten episodes for that. Yeah, yeah. Eight I or ten. Say, episodes. Though, I think. I gotta say the way that they portrayed last season of Lois going through cancer and and Tyler Hochin, you know, as Superman having being completely powerless and the way he had to surrender and recognize mm. that and and get help through going through right. therapy and doing those things. I think they portrayed that amazingly. I was mm-hmm. I was like finally they portrayed the way it really is. For someone who's going through this when it comes to the grief and the loss and the mental health side of things of how do I cope with this? Because Mm -hmm. for so many people that have a loved one that are sick, it's how do you cope with this thing that you can't do anything about? And you just have to hope that the medical doctors know what they're doing, hope that the treatment is effective and all Mm -hmm. of these things. But I think that's one of the things they did really well is they also did it where they showed you that there is hope. As long yeah. as you do what you're supposed to do. The fact that they showed Lois being stubborn and not wanting to do her treatments. The right. fact that they showed him going into group, not going into group, changing his mind, 
all the stuff, all those things happen in real life. I love that so much because uh-huh. it was amazing to see that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I understand that. I know, like, these kind of shows, I want hope. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I like television. I mean, my mother died of breast cancer, you know, so it, it's so that was a little bit. And, and I says, we yeah. a lot of times people watch television or movies, not mm-hmm. for reality. I mean, it, it's more for escape is escape. Yeah. And, and it was hard. I mean, I actually stopped watching it for a while because I said, I don't want to, to watch a movie her throwing up in the toilet. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I want to see Superman fighting Lex Luthor and, you know, yeah. comic book. Not yeah. non-reality things. I mean, I yeah. understand this was probably did minister and did help people because you mm-hmm. did it did was portrayed correctly. But again, it, it was is a little heavier. And I'm not a drama fan. I don't really like I like comedy or romantic comedies and actions. Drama is kind of on my bottom of my list. And and that and if, you know, even through the series, I stopped watching it. Then I binge watch it. You know, because because it, it gets yeah. too drama. I mean, even the kid. Um, who played, what is it, was it Jonathan? Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the boy that played him for yeah, a couple seasons. Left, the, the first he one left. or the second one? Yeah, he well, left. the first one. He was, yeah, because yeah, he, he was had too many, he had some, too many mental health things going on because it was too difficult, you know? Yeah. But the so fact he, that he made that choice at such a young age. Yeah, which is a good thing. A lot of people, I mean, there was, a, there was um, I don't know her name, but there was some Olympic person that actually backed mm-hmm. out of some stuff because she says, yeah. No, it's just, yeah. it's, I'm more concerned about my health and my mental being than yeah. getting a gold member, member, metal. Yeah. <laughs> I can't speak. Um, so, well, we know we're running out of time. You, you only gave me a little bit of time, which is okay. Um, I, as I said worry, before, uh, you know, um, <laughs> you know, what would you like to say in closing to people listening? And again, I'll have you back and we'll talk some more and we'll talk some more about some of your yeah. life and stuff like that. So this is basically a little introduction about Clint's life. So yeah. uh, what would you like to say to somebody listening? Well, words so of advice. Like, what I'd like to tell people is that if you're feeling stuck or like you're like you're failing in, every, in different areas of your life, believe me when I tell you, you can make changes in just 100 days. The key is to focus on renovating the four main areas of your life, how you spend your time, the way you connect with people, how you handle your emotions, and finding your purpose. And that's one of the things that, you know, my small changes, big impact transformational system is designed to do. It's designed to help you take accountability. It's designed to help you learn how to use 30 different psychological tools to make small changes in those areas in about 15 minutes, just about 1% a day so that you can change your life and make it unrecognizable. I'm more than happy to just have a conversation if you have any questions, interests, thoughts about these things, and you can reach out to me at smallchangesbigimpact.net backslash info. And on that website, you can get information. There's a link, there's a 20 minute uh, training on there that you can get for free on burnout. And it's just, or you can just set up a call to talk to me for about a half hour about whatever you're kind of going through. You can also find me, of course, on the ubiquitous Facebook and Instagram at small changes, big impact dot uh, the number four, and then the letter U. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. Well, Clint, thank you very much for being on. I appreciate you. And, and as I yeah. said, I'm going to have you back and we'll talk yes, some more about right. this because this we can get in depth more in this conversation. So, yes, hey, everybody, are. thank you. You've been listening to The Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm glad you're here. Stay tuned next week for we have more guests coming. And uh... this has been a Millennium Beat LLC production. Views and opinions of the guest are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. Check us out on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and TikTok at the Millennium Beat. Or on Twitter 
at millennium underscore B. If you would like to partner with us to reach the world, go to our website for more information. You can go to themillenniumbeat.com or tmb2000.net. Your financial support is greatly appreciated. We couldn't do all we do without your support. The Millennium Beat just updated our website from the ground up. Check it out at themillenniumbeat.com or you can get there by using millenniumbeat.com or tmb2000.net where you'll be redirected to the millenniumbeat.com's homepage. I want to thank Mass Inbound for their awesome work on our website. If you're looking for somebody to build your site, I recommend them. You can reach them at massinbound.com. That is M-A-S-S-I-N-B-O-U-N-D.com. These are some of the things that you can find on our website. Homepage, you can watch our latest YouTube video or listen to our audio podcast. Also listed are some of the platforms our audio podcast is on. You'll find out when the next podcast will air and who the guests will be. On the top right, you'll find two red buttons, learn how to help and become a guest. Under learn how to help, you can become a partner, sponsor, contributor, or contribute to the future Millennium Bus. You can give one time or monthly recurring. The choice is yours. The other button is be a guest. Click it, go to the form, and fill it out, and we will get back to you. We would love to hear your story. Click the About Us drop-down where you'll find stats, where we are reaching people, and to find more information on our sponsors. Click on the Podcast drop-down. Then click on the calendar tab where it will tell you when the shows will air and who will be on them. Or if you need to know about any meetups of the Millennium Beat staff, partners, or listeners. Also, there might be on the calendar an event at which the Millennium Beat staff will be at. Click the guest tab for all previous guests, links to their website, social media pages, and any store they might have. Click the forms drop down. There you'll find a release, be a guest, or become a sponsor form.